the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. We're going to do some hints, tips, tricks. We're going to get through uh, as much content as we can today. Let's take a look at what happened yesterday. The NASDAQ was a huge winner on the backs of NVIDIA's 24.3% gain. The S&P 500, what? It was up. If you take away NVIDIA and some of the other companies they brought along with it for the AI boom, and we have our first true AI star, our first AI breakout throughout star until chat GPT, um, and their parent company comes public. This is it. This is the one that we're saying. This is everything. And uh, it's going to be a game changer for productivity in the United States. And that's that's really all you need to say. If it's going to change productivity, it's going to be embedded in lots and lots of companies. Whether it's in the ordering mechanisms at a drive through McDonald's or Wendy's. Um. Jobs will still be there. This isn't going to be a doomsday scenario. We will improve just like we improved with the Internet. Although you got to say this about the Internet, right? Didn't it kind of put snail mail out of business? Not really, but how many pieces of mail do you send now to friends and family? Um, I do it because it makes me look cool. Because no one else does it. NASDAQ was up 1.7%. SP 500 was up 8%. Again, it was all AI driven yesterday. Other than that, it would have been a pretty proud day, I think. Because I wasn't seeing a lot of winners. I seen more losers than winners. So the breadth of the market was bad, but the leadership was tight and controlled by big companies. 10 year treasury sits at 3.82%. That's worthy of note because we're slowly creeping back up to four. And one of the things I told the event last night is in the last 15 years from 2001 to 2020, I benefited from Federal Reserve that said we need to lower interest rates to stimulate the economy. And during that period of time, more often than not, they were lowering interest rates. And when they did, the stock market got nervous and tanked. So the next 15 years, I think we're more likely to be more normalized. Let's just call that a base case. Unless we get an act of terrorism, unless we get an economic collapse. I don't think the Fed goes back down to 0% interest rates in my lifetime. So I think it's going to be a tougher environment for housing. I think it's going to be a tougher environment for stock market. Impossible to win, not a chance. That's not what I'm saying. Tougher. Tougher to wildly outperform in housing or the stock market. Okay, what else we have? NVIDIA put the team on its back yesterday and carried the market's astounding stock surge. If you've been listening to the show for 20 years, you know that I own it. If you've been listening to the show for uh, the last year, you know that I liked high-quality stocks that become dislocated from their uh, fundamentals. 
it fell 50% in 2022 and it's up over 130% this year. Um, and I bought more when it dipped because high quality, when it dislocates, I'm very interested in probably next week. I'm going to give you one or two more stocks that I think have potential like that in the next 24 months. Um, but I need to do a little bit more work before I go vocal with it. The White House and the GOP House Speaker Kevin McCarthy seem to be getting closer to a deal. I hear they're $80 billion, uh, away. Not that much in the big picture of things, but I don't know. Some congressmen men went home yesterday. Uh, Congress people. I guess I can't say congressmen. Some Congress people went home for the holiday weekend, and that's going to put us dangerously close to not having enough time, enough time being 72 hours for Congress to be called back into session on an emergency level and to say, hey, read this before you sign it. And then you get the group of five Republicans who Kevin McCarthy had to go through trial after trial after trial after trial to be approved as the House Speaker. And the the five like Marjorie Taylor Greene and and Matt Goetz, they could be the people here who kibosh the whole deal and send the U.S. into uh, tumultuous times with our debt. Don't know. Just throwing that out there. That's the way I'm seeing it. Doesn't mean that's the way it's going to happen. Tesla and Ford are going to partner on EV charging. In a Twitter Spaces event that did not crash yesterday, Tesla CEO Elon Musk and Ford CEO Jim Farley announced the owners of Ford Electric Vehicles would be able to plug in at more than 12,000 Tesla superchargers in the United States starting early next year. Tesla's charging network is one of its key strengths that you never really talk about. Uh, Musk said, we don't want Tesla superchargers to be a walled garden. Something tells me he's going to figure out a way to make a little bit more money off Ford than... uh, How shall we say a non one goal, a completely non old gardened approach? Sam Altman and the EU are fighting. Altman, the CEO of OpenAI. When that one comes public, if it comes public, it's going to be a doozy. And you're going to see Sam Altman being talked to in the same lines of Elon Musk for his genius. His company might up and leave the EU and take ChatGPT with it if a new Brussels law regulated AI gets passed. Current draft of the law called the EU AI Act may require AI companies to disclose copyrighted images or text their models were trained on. Altman called the law over-regulating and said he had many concerns about it in its current form. This is just getting started. We are in the second or third inning. Most of, I'd say second inning, to be honest with you. And yesterday, NVIDIA was the first company to really say it's materially changing. It was a moment as if Steve Jobs came onto the uh, speaking dais and said, and now I have one more thing to show you. And it was his freaking phone and the world changed with the iPhone introduction. I think the world changed with NVIDIA yesterday saying we're upping our revenue by over 50%. I've never seen anything that strong of a move quarter to quarter. That big and that strong. Hey, guess what? June 1's right around the corner. Guess what that means? Hurricane season. And we just had a, a brutal winter. Will we have a brutal fall and uh, summer? And what, what's going to equal when it comes to hurricanes? And hurricanes affect the price of oil. Right now, oil is slipping to the point that a Saudi minister said, um, yeah, if you're shorting, watch out. So he thinks OPEC's going to come out and say something along the lines of we're cutting production to, to raise the price. Right now, oil's telling us the world's not looking good in 2024. 
just throwing that down there for you. Um, what else do we have to hit today nationally? Gas prices are a whole buck cheaper in the U.S. than they were a year ago. Inflation's come down. And we've only seen gas drop a whole dollar on a 12-month period three times before. And usually one of them was um, 2020 when COVID hit and people just weren't driving. So they weren't going to work. I don't know. Am I boring you today? You can tell me. Let's take a look a little bit closer at today's action. Lots to digest in the debt ceiling inflation and earnings report. There was an inflation report that came out. Um, what do I have to say about this? Personal income increased four tenths of percent. Trading goods for April showed a widening in the deficit to ninety six point eight billion. You don't want too much deficit going the opposite way. You want some coming in as well. Imports versus exports. Um, a closely watched gauge for the Federal Reserve is the personal income uh, and spending. Ultimately, it was a robust one half of a percent increase in real spending and the uptick on the year over year rates, the PCE and core. It basically says 4.7% year over year inflation. And you're going to see the Federal Reserve say, you know, we're going to keep rates higher longer. So don't expect any cuts anytime soon. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Don't want to work forever? Check out the retirement planning guide on robblack.com. That's robblack.com, powered by EP Wealth. Costco is a winner today. Free samples, cheap gas, subscriptions. Their sales report wasn't, or their earnings report wasn't all that great. They came up short of sales expectations as consumers continue to rein in spending on costlier items like electronics, jewelry, and home furnishings. What we tend to do before a recession. There was disappointing results from smaller BJ wholesales. BJ's wholesale. Big boxes like uh, Target and Home Depot have recently issued downside guidance. It might be the time to buy some retailers. And let me explain why. Um, the market tends to look six months into the future. Picking up what I put down. And six months in the future, we are expecting a slowdown. Now, here's the problem. The slowdown isn't going to be six months in the future because the jobs report has continued to be too high. But we still haven't felt all of the effects of the higher interest rate moves. So I'm expecting further slowdown in the consumer as there's more damage to borrowing costs being higher. And ultimately, it should hurt the retailers a little bit more. Six months from now, we're looking at Christmas, right? Not a good time to have an economic slowdown. But we'll recover. I said something to a man yesterday at the big event, and he was shocked because everyone wants to try to, like, you know, one up me. And I get it. Not everyone. Okay. I have a chip on my shoulder. Not everyone. But he was talking about the stock market, and I go, Do you want to hear a crazy statistic on why I stay invested? I go, Sure. I said, in the last 100 years, the market's pulled back 10%, 104 times. And 104 times, it's gone to a new high. So for those of you who are crazy enough to say the market's a roller coaster, you're a nut. I agree that it could feel like one, but it's not one. 
And for those of you that thinks it's, it's dead so far in a hundred years, you haven't been proven correct. And we've gone through World War One, World War Two, Nagasaki, Hiroshima. We've gone through high inflation. We've gone through stagflation. We've gone through deflation. We've seen presidents assassinated. We've seen oil at one hundred fifty dollars a barrel. Oil at zero. Where it's free, we can take it off our hands. We've seen everything that could be thrown at this market. 9-11, SARS, bird flu, mad cow disease, COVID. Keep, keep pulling for the losing team. So last year when the market pulled back 20% on the S&P 500, I am confident it'll hit an all-time high. Because it has 104 out of 104 times. So if that doesn't make you feel like, oh, it's tough to argue against that one. I don't care. If you want to argue against it, you can argue against it. Let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. Um, it's still a quick quiz. What percentage of U.S. consumers have stopped using credit cards to avoid paying higher interest rates? As interest rates have moved up in the last 15 months, what percentage of U.S. consumers have stopped using credit cards? Is it A, 5%, B, 10%, C, 15%, or D, 20%? So the answer is C, 15%. 15% of Americans have stopped using credit cards altogether due to higher interest rates, while 18% say it'll take longer to pay off their planned existing uh, debt due to the higher interest rates. Yes, that is a horrible number, but it's not 100%. I'm not a big fan of carrying any debt on a credit card before the pandemic, during the pandemic, after the pandemic. I haven't carried debt on a credit card where I pay interest since college. And the only reason I did it in college was because I was financially ignorant. You remember Saturday Night Live? I bet, could they do this now when Dan Aykroyd used to call uh, the other anchor? On the news back in the 70s, Jane, you ignorant slut. She would tell a story and his, his response was that. And you're like, oh, I don't know if that could be done now. Okay, let's keep moving forward, shall we? Um, what else do we have to hit? A lo- lot of stocks. I have a stock screen of about 20 stocks that I own. Uh, 19 of the 20 are up today. So I feel pretty good about my wealth today. Psychologically, I'm going to have a party. Reality, I'm not going to spend anything different today. But, you know, patio redone because of water damage. That's what happens in California when you get two inches of rain in a night. Ooh, those were the fun ones. Um, it ain't cheap. And I don't know flashing. I don't know how to do that kind of work. So, just saying. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Psychologically, I feel richer, but reality is I'm, I'm writing a check and it, it stinks. Okay, let's talk a little more AI. The hype in AI stocks, not a bubble yet. I did this yesterday and I want to do it one more time today. Up until yesterday, no one, well, no, no. I follow Google Trends on the stock market. And Google Trends search data for individual stock tickers like Microsoft, Google, and NVIDIA have trended higher since the start of the year, but nowhere near their peaks in 2022. People tend to Google and search for the stocks that they want to invest in. So those are the three players right now in AI that we know. And I'm going to tell you, 
doing a little more research on Google. They're fine. Don't be believing the hype that they're left for dead. Now, I still like where Microsoft is going because they could integrate it into all their office products. Um, and NVIDIA is fine as well, which for the record, one of the greatest, dumbest, easiest uh, software apps is called Grammarly. And when you're writing an email, it corrects your grammar for you. It shows you where the spelling's wrong. If every American did this, we would be better off. And we wouldn't be getting emails from our coworkers going, wow, what an idiot. Guy can't spell the word uh, too correctly. Never heard of a comment, have you? Grammarly, I highly recommend it for you and your whole family. I was going to say your whole family of idiots, but I won't. I'm in a good mood today. I'm in a good mood. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Let's do one more quiz. What average amount of cash? What's the average amount of cash that U.S. adults have in their wallet or purse or pocket right now? Is it A, $12, B, $25, C, $73, or D, $111? What's the average amount of cash? You know that dirty, filthy, gross stuff that has germs all over it? That a lot of companies, like Toast, Toast, if you go into your local restaurant, they do contactless payments. They'll take your order, and then they'll turn around the the reader and, and give you the, put the credit card in here thing, the female slot for the male slot or for the mail tab, and you never have to touch anyone. Toast is an interesting company, but I'm only interested in tech companies that have 100 million users. That's not totally true, but it's 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 close. I like Toast. I think it's a great company. I think it's a great idea. I think it's a great concept. It does a lot of advanced ordering for, um, for restaurants. It also allows them to set up reward programs. Um. For me, that would be more of a trade or a rental than an investment. Oh, the average amount of cash in someone's pocket right now, $73, $73. That's up $5 since 2021. I have zero, zero cash. Dirty, dirty, dirty. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. What's the best way to choose a financial advisor? Download our guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com, powered by EP Wealth. I've been investing for basically 36, 37 years. And one of the things that I'm proudest about is I invest every two weeks in my 401k. So if you do the math, you'll see that I'm an Iron Man. That kind of mentality is the difference between the wealthy and the non-wealthy because I've invested in hot stock markets. I've invested in cold stock markets. I've invested in good times. I've invested in bad times. I've invested when I was single. I was invested when I was married. I invested when I was divorced. I was invested when I was married again. It's the consistency of doing it 200 weeks in a row with 400 weeks in a row, 800 weeks in a row, 1600 weeks in a row. I know you're picking up what I'm putting down, but that's that's what makes success. So if you take a look and you just do a quick thing, 34 years of investing times 12 months is equal to 408. And then you go times two because you invest every other week in a 401k. My streak is somewhere in over 800 consecutive investments. And that's the difference between wealth and not wealth. 
I bought real estate in my twenties. I bought real estate in my, and honestly, I couldn't afford it in my twenties because I was starting a company and I, I was, I shoestringed it together. I had a partner in the business who was uh, 30 years older than me, um, help co-sign. And because he did that, he was a fool because if I had gone bankrupt, he would have gotten, uh, it would have hurt his credit, but he did it. On my first home, I got help, not from my mom and dad, not from my friends and family, but from a business partner who wanted to see me succeed. So I invested in my 20s in real estate. Didn't think I could make it. I invested in my 30s in my real estate. At that point in time, I knew I could fall back from what I made in my 20s. And in fact, one of the homes that I bought in my 30s, I did with a large part of the gain from the 20s. And then I invested in the 40. Like, you get the idea, right? It's it's consistency. It's the, Who was the guy who played for the Baltimore Orioles? Bill Ripken? Cal Ripken. Bill was his brother. Not very good. Cal Ripken, Iron Man. He wasn't the greatest shortstop of all time, statistically. He was the most consistent as far as showing up for work. And that says something. Let's bring in Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. How are you, Mr. Mendez? I'm good. Good morning. You've done all of my mortgages except for one, the one in my 20s. Um, That's worthy of note. You've done my refinances, all of them. Um, It's interesting to have that kind of consistency. I've known you for 25 years, roughly. And again, that's consistency. So I've never seen you, I gotta be careful on my terms. I've never seen you hurt a customer. I've never seen you say, I'm gonna make a lot of money on this one and and take advantage of their desperate need. Consistency wins all battles. Anyway, um, how are things out there now that mortgages are back to that 7% mark? Is the phone ringing off the hook or are people a little bit more tentative? Um, hopefully it's short-lived. You know, we have this, um, you know, the debt ceiling deadline, I think, put a little bit of fear into the market. It's not the market right. for the weary um, at, at all. Um, depending on where you look, you know, Freddie Mac has the 30-year fix at 6.57. I think that's pretty generous considering that it's a lagging report. Uh, a lot of other reports are re- you know, putting the 30-year fix to over 7%. I think it's going to be short-lived. Um, we we will probably meet a a deal. Um, it may not be on time, but we're pr- going to have a deal, and that should ease the pressure. But it's certainly putting a lot of people on the sideline and keeping them there for right now. It's it's tough to look at a seven percent interest rate and higher home prices. Prices aren't really easing as much as they thought because of the lack of inventory. So interest rates need to kind of participate here. Um, it's one of the first times we've seen reports where. Um, regardless of how little inventory we have, interest rates are um, pushing sales down and prices are, are, as it's, are having a result because of this. I hear you on that. Um, and it's interesting to note. Um, about a month ago, interest rates were considerably lower. But as the debt ceiling clock has been ticking, you've seen the pressure mean if we default on our debt, it would be higher borrowing costs for everyone, including the mortgages. So there is a resolution. Today may not be the day to lock, but maybe in about two to three weeks as as mortgage rates should drift back to that mid-six, low-six level. Is that the expectation? Um, Yeah. You know, one of the things that we pay attention to as well as the spread between the 30-year fixed and the 10-year yield, it's the second highest that we've seen it on record. You have to go back to 2008 to see it um, any larger than it is today. So based on the average spread between the 30-year fixed and the 10-year yield, rates should be 
5.08, believe it or not. So we believe there's some room for it to come back down and still see, you know, the the profit that the banks want to make on their money or the lenders. So, yeah, our expectations are to, to see, um, and I heard you talk about this earlier, longer interest, um, higher rates for longer, but we do think it's going to come back down into the sixes, um, probably into the low sixes. It depends on how long it takes for um, the markets to react to any kind of agreement with the you know, Congress. At the beginning of the year, I said I'll probably buy my retirement home in San Diego or Santa Barbara sometime in the next 12 to 18 months. There's a chance it's a different type of approach where I go with a rental in a, an attractive market, but it could be my final home. <laughs> and um, that doesn't mean I'm going to retire in two years. And uh, the audience is like, ooh, he's going to get into more real estate. It's risky. It's high interest rates. It's um, falling prices. And I'm like, yeah, so I'll, I'll get the price I get. I'm not stressed about that. And then if I get the high rate, then I'm hoping for sometime in the next three to five years to lower to refinance. I, it's not how everyone should play the game. It's how I play the game um, comfortably, if that makes any sense. Um, what type of uh, mortgages? OK, go ahead. That, those are the two sides of the fence that we're looking at right now. Do you want to, to do you want to take advantage of the prices that they, we have today? Because we know prices will go back up once interest rates come down. And can you afford it along the way, or do you wait and for interest rates to go down and then home prices to come back up? So that's kind of the, the dilemma a lot of people are in. I just wanted to kind of put some color on that. Great. What type of deals are you getting into your offices at Bay Area Loan Source? Um. So the brokerage is called Classic Home Loans, BayAreaLoanSource.com is the website. Just want to make sure everybody can find that pretty easily. But the, you know, we're seeing a lot of, we're still seeing a lot of buyers. Um, not a lot of big buyers, you know, you know over 1.5 and higher. Those kind of uh, subsided a little bit, but they're still very active first-time home buyers. We're seeing investors are really taking advantage of some of the deals they're seeing in like multi-unit, two to four units. Um, they're looking at cash flow. They don't look at interest rates. Well, they do, but they want to see that cash flow first. And if it pencils out, they're they're ready to pull the trigger. There's been a lot of investors that have pocketed a lot of good money over the last 10, 15 years because of low interest rates. And they're looking to change um, direction or consolidate, uh, you know, trim off some of the fat, the uh, non-performing assets, and then buy other ones. And there's that... That market, that sector of the market is really working well. Um, even though they pulled back on the cash purchases, there's been a lot of products that have helped investors, um, you know, get into product, uh, into properties without, you know, the standard qualification. So that's called the non-QM loans as have really picked up. Thanks very much. People can find you. You work with Classic Home Loans, but the website is bayarealonesource.com. It's bayarealonesource.com. He's Tony Mendez. He's my mortgage lender. He's the guy that I go to. Um, and I've referred a lot of clients and uh, coworkers, Tony. So that's how well I like him. We joke that he gets loans done. He gets loans done. And that's what you want when you do a mortgage. You want to get it finished to the goal line. You can find Tony at bayarealonesource.com. I'm Rob Black. Thanks, Tony. Um, let's do one more trivia question. One more trivia question. Um, the United States government and the federal government is the right way of saying that state governments. How much will they be on the hook to pay out for retirement by 2040? How much will they be on the hook to pay out for retirement, inadequate retirement savings? Um, 
is it A, 900 B, 1 trillion, C, 1.3 trillion, D, 1.7 trillion. It's C, 1.3 trillion. Inadequate retirement savings will result in increased public assistance costs, decreased tax revenues, lower housing spending, and a decline in standards of living. So we all thought our economy, uh, how do I say this? We all thought there was going to be big problems when the baby boomers retired. Um, that was the story back in the 1990s, early 2000s. Uh, they were retiring at record number of pace. We invested in drug companies, pharmaceutical companies, because as you hit 60, you're you know, getting a little chunkier. You can put on a little more weight. You're trying to thin the blood, stay alive longer. You get the idea. But uh, $1.3 trillion is going to have to go to supporting people who have inadequately saved. And worthy of note, it's not the millennials who are the problem. They've stepped up and spent. It's not Generation Z. They're kind of stepping up and spending. Um, we watch with excitement. We watch with intelligence. We're having a good day on Wall Street. Another good day. Seems interesting with the debt ceiling so close. If a deal doesn't get done this weekend, Monday is going to be, or Tuesday because Monday is closed. Tuesday would be U-G-L-Y. You ain't got no alibi. You're ugly. You're ugly. I work with certified financial planners. If you want a certified financial planner to review your portfolio, drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. Do you have enough to retire? Or are you going to work into your 60s and 70s and 80s? Drop me an email and we'll start figuring it out for you and see if we can't get you on track. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Questions about Social Security? Check out the Social Security Retirement Guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com, powered by EP Wealth. So, had a funny reaction yesterday when Neuralink tweeted that they got federal authorities to approve first human clinical studies of Elon Musk being able to put semiconductors in your head to try to take control of functions. And this is a really cool thing if you're paralyzed. Um, Neuralink says it's working on developing implants to assist paralyzed people. It's a feat that has recently been acquired by, uh, accomplished by Swiss researchers. I am not paralyzed. So please take this in stride when I say this. Um, his cars catch fire, his rockets blow up. I'm not letting him put a chip in my head. Does that make any sense to people? Um, Owning a Tesla, I could tell you that they're not all that in a bucket of chicken. They're okay. I feel that some of the manufacturing is is sloppy. I feel some of the um, quality is, is questionable. Not sure I'm really ready to put a chip in my head. So, because I've seen movies where people put chips in their head and governments blow them up. There's a kill switch in this this guy's head. We must activate it. So I'll take a hard pass on that one. 800-516-1220 to each calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. We're seeing a nice market rally today. Um, again, it's a little, I'm not going to say surprising to the fact that the debt deal hasn't been done, but I think people are feeling that it's going to get done. The NASDAQ's up 1.7%. The Russell 2000's up. Small caps are participating. The Dow Jones Industrial Average the value is up 1%. S&P 500 is up 1.2%. It's, it's a good day. 
if it was like this every day, we would have a market that's up over you know 300% for the year. So it's not going to be that way. Ford CEO said something yesterday interesting when he was talking to Elon Musk from Tesla. He said that Tesla superchargers may become the standard for EV charging. Interesting. Uh, I have a WAN conversion so that if I ever need to use non-Tesla chargers, I can. Uh, but it does feel awkward. So there's a company or there's a standard called Combined Charging Systems. It's one of the several competing charging plug standards for DC fast charging. General Motors did not immediately respond to Ford's thoughts that, you know, people are going to have to make a, a choice on what sort of charging their, their cars accept. I'll tell you what's totally useless. There's a lot of like parks in the United States that have uh, charging in them and they charge it like two miles an hour. Not worth it. I know, I know it's part of the solution, but uh, at a pretty close grocery store to my home, they're putting in a charger, a Tesla supercharging station. And they dropped off all the equipment about a month ago and I've got to watch them put it in. It's pretty interesting. It's, it's a lot of electricity to put in a supercharger. It is a lot of special permits. So it, it it's crazy. Like you would not want to touch one of those things with what water on your feet. Dead man. Um, but it's also a supercharger. That's the last stop for 25 miles until you get to the Pacific ocean. And we need solutions like that so that we can go to the beach with our sugar boogers, with our family, and not get caught without charging. So I think Ford's on to something smart right here. Oh, let's talk about this real quick. Disney and Netflix. I think the writer strike is a good thing for them. Now, I know you're saying, what the hell are you talking about? Disney had... Great gains in their movies. They had great gains in their their theme parks. They're shutting down their Galactic Star Cruiser because it wasn't making money. Their streaming is still costing a lot because they're spending an enormous amount of production. If production gets shut down, so there's a production guild. They have to work out a deal with the Writers Guild. And I wanted to be a screenplay writer coming out of college. That was my goal. And I got into the industry. And then with my gains that I would make from working on, on cool projects... I would invest and I was a better investor than I was a writer. As a writer, I was one person in the room of 20. I was a resident playwright at basically an all black neighborhood, which is pretty funny because I'm pretty much so all white. And uh, it was a weird, weird, weird vibe. But a friend basically got me an interview and they liked me. So we did some plays there. But um, the long story short of this is I think Disney and, and Netflix benefit from a writer's strike. Because as a guy who used to be a writer, I could tell you that um, a TV job, working for a show like Two and a Half Men, or any, any, um, oh, I was watching, and I was just basically punishing my spouse, um, the equalizer. I was watching that, and I'm like, if, if, if the writers think they're doing a good job for the writing on the show, they are loco in the cocoa. Now, again, Succession, the writers are doing a great job. The writers on ABC, NBC, CBS for sitcoms, I think it's the lowest common denominator audience, and that's not great. Now, I know you're saying you're anti-union. I kind of am sometimes. 
because I deal with the stock market and the stock market focuses on profitability and unions want to get as much income for their employees as possible. I don't think the writers win this one. I think they're going to have to compromise and settle um, because of chat GPT. Because you can fill in a lot of plot holes by using artificial intelligence to come up with ideas. You still need a writer to write them. And I think for Disney and for Netflix, it gives them a chance to slow down. I'm still going to be there. I may be six months or 12 months older when Stranger Things comes out. And me and my kids, who we started watching that when he was probably 10, and he'll probably be 20 when it's over. I don't know. I'm giving you a weird timeline there, but you get the idea. I'll still watch it. And, you know, I'll, I'll pay for YouTube premium in during the writer's strike if I can't do HBO. And HBO will let me cancel. And I can come back in two or three months. It's not a two-year contract like it used to be. I, I think Disney is at a very interesting price right now. If you believe my thesis, I think it's tradable. If you don't believe my thesis, don't do it. Consult broker advisor for taking action on any stocks ever mentioned on the show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Ten. Take care of yourself this week, and I'm Rob Black. For more information about EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.